Hi, I'm Beck Rayner and this is the Military Wife Life Podcast, a podcast that celebrates, empowers, supports and embraces the women behind the military men by building connections, acknowledging our strength, focusing on self-care and our mental health. Let's do this together. This episode of Military Wife Life is proudly brought to you by Defence Bank. Serving those who protect us, Defence Bank have the largest on-base branch network with 37 locations around Australia. They have Army, Air Force and Navy covered. To find your closest branch, visit defencebank.com.au. Welcome, Amelia, to the Military Wife Life podcast. You and your husband have been together for 16 years. So can you tell us how you met? Sure. Yeah. Hi, Beck. Thanks for having me. We met in Melbourne, which is my hometown, and he was posted to Vic Barracks. We met in a cool little bar after work drinks on one Friday night. When you met him, what was he doing? Was he already in defence or was he joining? What was the situation when you first met? Oh, yeah, he was in. So he was a squadron leader and he'd gone to ADFA straight out of high school. Yeah, he had many years in, in the RAF already. And I think the day we met, he'd found out he was deploying to Iraq for six months. So <laughs> he didn't tell me that. But yeah, so I hadn't really met anyone in the military before. Melbourne's not a very big military town. So. so I guess when you first met and you knew that he was in defence, what was your reaction? Or was it because you didn't have any knowledge of a family member being in defence? What was your thoughts going into meeting him and him being in defence? Well, yeah, I really didn't know too much. I assumed that there would be moves involved, but I was very adamant that I never wanted to leave my hometown. So I thought, oh, this will be interesting. But we talked about loosely getting out. And I think I thought in my head that, oh, but at some point, you know, we'll have some fun moving around. At some point, we'll get out. Right, surely. Yeah. <laughs> and that sort of um, hasn't happened. Uh, you know, he's really loves his job. So it was kind of a slow process for me to think oh yeah I think this where life is so I just sort of went along we didn't have kids you know it was fun move around a little bit so it was just a gradual uh, progression I think so that initial thought of I'm never going to leave my hometown how did that go for you (laughs) yeah that didn't work out too well (laughs) so yeah so he I think for four or five months after the day we met he went to Iraq for six months and then was posted to Newcastle after that so after a few months of visiting on the weekends, I moved to Newcastle. So that was exciting. I've always loved travel. I'd done a lot of travel before we met. And I think I would have had to have had a background to be okay going into a relationship like that. And then we did get a posting back to Melbourne. He was able to manage that because I wanted to return for my career. So that helped. What happened when he went on an overseas deployment so early on in the relationship? How did that go? What was the communication like? How did you go through? that time of being apart? It was just phone calls back then. There was no Skype or anything. So it was pretty tricky. I was busy doing my postgrad ultrasound study anyway. So that I sort of kept busy. I was living with my parents still. I was 24. It was a pretty bad timing really because it sort of stole that the best part of the relationship, you know, the fun part and sort of made a speed pass to, you know, more serious stuff, I think. But I think we knew we wanted to be together. So we made it work. I guess there wasn't very much time of the, you know, 
dating and catching up on weekends. It was kind of like together for a couple of months, go away overseas. And then when he got back, you mentioned he got posted. Obviously, Newcastle's not very close to Melbourne. So it was trips and then bam, move in together. I had six months left of my two-year postgrad uh, internship. So I had to find another uh, hospital to take me on. So that was quite stressful, but it ended up being the best thing for my training because they did a lot of obstetrics where I hadn't had that where I was in Melbourne. So I guess the way I've approached the whole thing is to always find a positive out of it and sort of try to make the most of the situation. Worked out well, but it was a big deal for me to move in the middle of my training. I really did not want to do that. When you went in doing your training, you probably had like in your mind, okay, well, I kind of want to progress on to to this job or I want to work in this area. So you're kind of like changing your plans when, you know, you'd worked pretty hard to get to where you were. Yeah, I had a, yeah, it was a great position and I even had a contract that I had to stay on, you know, after training. And that's why I really wanted to come back after the posting. And so he took a position that wasn't his favourite, wasn't his choice. And I was able to return to that hospital and that employer and that worked out really well. So how did that work for you guys? Obviously, you mentioned he took a job to come back to Melbourne for your career. How did that conversation go? Like when you went into the relationship, did you guys have open communication about, okay, well, my career, this is what I want from it. And, you know, this is what you want from your career and how can we make it work best for both of us? Like, how did you have that foundation in your your relationship that you were able to do that? We very much approached it, especially me approached it as he has his career and I have mine. So I think maybe I was a little bit naive and didn't really understand that my career and anything was going to take a backseat to postings back then. I thought there was more control over where he could go and when. So that was a little bit tricky to to sort of, you know, get over little things like that. You know, not little things at the times. Like, I don't want to go there. I don't want to leave in this year and next year. But you slowly get used to it, juggle. And as I said, just try to keep looking for the positives. And so I've been able to, you know, get a lot of good experiences, career and otherwise, out of the postings. I think you've got to be constantly looking for that to make it work for you. Because yeah. it's so easy for your career to take, you know, slower progression, less promotions and prove yourself at a new place and things like that. And I'm just very lucky I've got a career where I can always get a job very easily. It's not like that for me, spouses. Can you tell us what your job is and and how portable it is and, and how it sort of works with going to different posting locations? I've been a sonographer for 16 years. It's ultrasound and it's really portable. I've always been able to get a job everywhere we've been, even in the outback. And we went to Tyndall and I was working in Catherine in the town and I also did remote flights out to Indigenous communities, day trips. It was really great experience. And now I'm a children's author. So that's also highly portable because you do that all alone, anywhere you like. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. So how does it go from doing ultrasound to being a children's author? There's a bit of a, bit of a gap um, there. Yeah. A bit of a change yeah. there. So how does it progress <laughs> from that to that? <laughs> it was just really a light bulb moment I had. Uh, we've got three kids and it was when the third baby was born. I just had this light bulb moment that I wanted to write picture books and I just sort of got into it um, slowly and just learned about it online and by reading textbooks. So you don't need to do um, a degree or anything to be an author. And it was just something I was so passionate about. And then I got published. And so now it's going really well. I'm so happy with how this sort of new venture is going for me. I've been writing for six years now, but it was very different to, you know, I was a science student in high school. Um, and I, th- I think a lot of military spouses have that sort of generalization that you're, you know, dependable and reliable and, you know, practical and you can get it done. Perhaps not really known for being creative. So I think I didn't really think of doing anything creative for a long time. And then I just thought, 
thought, you know, I like this so much that I think it's my sort of true self, really. And now I just love it right every day. Although going back to what you said, you're like, oh, okay, well, I researched it and um, um, just sort of went from there. And then I got published. And I'm pretty sure that there's a few other steps like, and a lot of hard work <laughs> in between that. So, yeah, so how did it actually go? Like, and, and you mentioned the fact that you decided to do that after you had your third child. So you're like, okay, well, I'll just throw that in there. So like, how did you juggle obviously wanting to follow that passion and then also what was happening with your husband was he away or was he home like how was that all working so we were in the US at the time that's where the third baby was born so he was posted to the Pentagon for a couple of years so we were over there and we'd already had a year in Canada previously so and I actually think that probably wouldn't even be a writer if I wasn't a defense spouse because with all the moving around it's like your life experience is on overdrive you you meet so many people and live in so many places and get to see you know patterns in how people react it's so much more you know than what your years would otherwise have you experienced I think so it really helped me um, with writing and I think when I went into that posting so that was the posting before this one we're in the Blue Mountains now but I was just sort of over having to make friends again after so many moves we moved every 18 months for many postings and I said oh I'm not going to bother this time I'm just going to focus on the kids I'm having the baby and my husband and then so writing was like just something I could do on my own and I knew I could take it with me and I didn't have to say goodbye to people anymore so I think it was just something to focus on and then of course I ended up making loads of friends and through writing as well now in the Blue Mountains but yeah I think it sort of helped me deal with being away from Australia and being a bit isolated it just sort of I just managed to fall into this thing that's perfect for me and that also helps me deal with what it's like as a defense spouse really. What are your books about and how do you go from, I guess, coming up with an idea for a book and writing the draft or how do you go forward with an idea for a book or a picture book or whatever people are trying to do creatively? Where do you go from idea stage, draft, and then what happens? Yeah, so I write funny picture books, usually rhyming. The first book took a year and a half for me to finish. So I just write just all over the place. Some some books are really quick. I'll just have a, a bit of an idea and start writing or I might get the entire idea it's really quite variable but it's just about you know staying with it and working on it and not submitting it to publishers until you've spent so many revisions on it and got a writing group so showing it to my writing friends yeah and a lot of learning along the way so that honing your own craft and just slowly getting better and then I've got a literary agent so I give my work to her when it's ready and then she submits it to publishers basically I mean you're really only limited by yourself yeah really hard working so you can be really you know you can write an hour a week or 50 hours a week I'm quite driven and I'm, I just love doing it so it's just so flexible that I've, yep. I've been able to fit it around the kids and around work as a sonographer and it's sort of like a hobby and a job in one for me so I'm so thrilled that my books are being published yeah I guess for other defense spouses that obviously have a career that sometimes you just have to have that job because you need the money coming in or you know that's what you're yeah. trained in and that's what you're good at sort of thing but it doesn't mean that you can't follow a passion and like you mentioned you could just do one hour a week but you're still doing one hour a week you're still taking yeah. that one yeah. hour a week step forward then just staying there and not doing it sort of thing like yeah just see how it goes yeah I think a lot of people don't really explore their creativity and I think they should because even if it's just a hobby it forces you to carve out time for that thing for yourself find it really relaxing enjoyable meet a new group of people doing things like that and it just feels really good 
do something, you know, to have a creative interest. And whether it's you've got one hour a week or 10, it's hard to turn it into a career. There's not really much money in anything in the arts, fortunately. But um, yeah, I'm sort of having been a sonographer for 16 years. I, now is the time I'm sort of turning into more of an author. So working hard and hope yeah. that it can continue. Yeah, I've got four more books coming out. So oh, wow. Hoping to, hoping to roll on, yeah. Hey Military Wife Life community, I wanted to take this opportunity to tell you a little bit about the Defence Bank Foundation and the great work they're doing in the defence community. The foundation raises funds to support serving and ex-serving ADF members living with injuries or illnesses such as post-traumatic stress disorder. In 2019, the sole beneficiary of the foundation was the Defence Community Dogs Program, a specialised dog training program which rescues abandoned dogs and trains them through correctional services. 40 service dogs have been trained and given to veterans since the Defence Bank Foundation was established. The program gives dogs, inmates and veterans a second chance at life. The thing obviously that you're dealing with in the background is that sometimes you might be solo parenting and you might be juggling, obviously. Homeschooling. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And all that comes with, I guess, three kids and having a partner who's in defense and can't always be relied on or you're not always able to control the situation or where you might be in six months, all of that. So how did you deal with, I guess, having all of that stuff going on in your life? Because obviously you said the writing started as a passion and luckily, you know, it's turned into something that you You've been able to be published and make it like another job for yourself when it goes from a passion to being like something a bit more serious obviously it's another commitment that you obviously want to do but is another commitment that you're juggling with you know the kids the house the yeah. other job the partner maybe being away how did that work with being able to juggle all of that yeah I think I thought I wouldn't have too much time to spend on it but I found that because I loved it so much I just made time so I pretty much stopped watching tv which I thought I would never do but I preferred to write at night instead of, you know, watching TV. So, you know, it became my favourite thing to do weekends and nights and funny hours and sort of scheduled my times that I knew that, you know, this is when I'm working as a sonographer and this is when I'm writing, this is when I'm doing housework and just found myself wanting to spend more and more time basically. So just driven by my own enjoyment and drive, you know, hoping that it'll build into a a good career. But I, I didn't know that at the start. I was just doing it because I just found this new interesting thing that I like to do and it built from there. Like you mentioned, you decided to, okay, well, my choice is that I'm going to set aside time to do this at night instead of watching TV. And that's your choice because you want to pursue that passion and you're making time for it sort of thing. I think you need to be sort of strong in yourself. You know, it's hard to announce that you're doing something like I'm writing because a lot of people don't even tell anyone else that they're doing that because they don't want to be laughed at or the pressure of, well, well, you've been writing for two years. Where's your book? Um, So they don't even mention it. But once you do, you declare it to your family and say like on the, on, Saturday afternoon I want to write for a couple hours by myself in peace and quiet and you have to sort of say that this is what I want to do because I think as a woman you're often just like doing what everyone else wants to do you go to the sports and you do everything else and you're sort of like oh well I didn't really do anything that I really wanted to do you're sort of so easy to forget about that and it's often seen as oh well that's not really important because it's not making money but but no it actually is because 
it's about you know your your happiness and as you say your mental health and your well-being i think we yeah we we do need to just say nope i'm doing this or i I can't go to that because you know i really want to finish this whatever And and it's about being able to say to yourself well either i am doing this because i'm prioritizing it and this is what i'm cutting back on or this is what i'm sacrificing or whatever you're doing or i'm not doing this because this is what i'm choosing to do so your your choice is that you know okay i'm choosing to decompress at the end of the day and watch an hour of tv before i go to bed but that's your choice there's literally always going to be something else that you can do to distract yourself from the other things that you want to do like they'll they'll always be washing they'll always be you know the lawn to do they'll always be cleaning they'll always be a child that needs something like it's about you prioritizing what you feel is right but like you mentioned it's really hard to put your foot down and do that because it can be seen as something that's not that important to maybe in your own mind or to other people but it's about you you know prioritizing it so I guess did you and your husband talk about kids and how they would fit into postings or was it just a matter of okay well yeah we're planning on having kids and they'll just fit in whenever or did you kind of plan it around postings how did that work for you guys we've had three kids in three countries so we definitely had the kids around the postings (laughs) so um yeah the first one was born in Canada so I loosely did the maternity leave year around that thought I'd be going over with a little baby but that didn't happen so I'm (laughs) over six six months pregnant so pretty close yeah so lucky that we've had my parents and in-laws have been very helpful that they could come and stay for a week or two to help out you know when we move with little kids my middle daughter was born on Christmas Eve and we were posted to Tyndall two weeks later or something so you know I went to Melbourne and stayed a couple of weeks longer than Al did and then he went up and then my in-laws came with me so just to physically move through airports with you know a two-year-old and a newborn um so we've appreciated having that sort of backup when we've needed it because we've never really been around any family very much just juggled it around the postings but still put our hand up for the American posting and also the Canadian ones so it's brilliant opportunities the kids always traveled with us what is it that your husband does um we don't often really talk about the husbands very much even though you know obviously we're talking because of our partners in defense but so what does your what's your husband's job and does it have him going away a lot or does he go away on training like how does his job sort of work yeah he's in the RAF he's a loggy so he's a group captain and we're in the Blue Mountains at the moment so he's a commander of JLU East at the moment and before that he was at Glenbrook. So we've had the luxury of being somewhere. This is our fifth year in the same place. So after many moves 18 months apart, it's so nice to sit still. But depends what posting he's doing. He's he's done four six-month deployments to since he met me. This job he's not away too much, only one or two nights. But he has been away weeks on end on exercises. And yeah, we've certainly done our time apart. Yeah, a bit of a mixed bag depending on what the posting is. What do future postings hold? like you've mentioned you've you've been there for five years are you likely to stay there for a little bit longer or are you due to go somewhere else well this is his third year so we think he's going to be posted at the end of the year but coronavirus has delayed posting so just waiting to see what what's going to happen with um 2021 we think we might be posted so yeah i'm getting a bit sick of moving actually so hopefully we can end up in canberra and stay put how old are your kids and how do they sort of cope with defence life? They're just used to it, I, I guess, with all the moves. Yeah, so uh, three girls, 11, 9 and 5. So we've got them all in primary school this year. 
our middle one found it really hard to start kindergarten after coming back from the US. You know, everything was different. The season, flowers were different. She got a bad hay for it. Her whole life was turned upside down. So that was hard to settle in after that move. But first one just takes to it quite easily, takes it in a stride. A lot of the moves were when they were little babies and toddlers. And I know it's a lot easier to move with young kids. We'll see if we can settle down, hopefully, during the teen years, not be moving too much at all. Do you make use of any of the spouse support? Do you go to like, have you been to a community house before or the play, defence play groups? Like, have you made use of any of that sort of support? At Tyndall, did a lot. It's such a remote base that, you know, the whole community is very active and together. So that was great there. But otherwise, I sort of, I haven't really met even too many defence spouses on other postings, really. I've been busy with work and just meeting people through the kids' schools, preschools and playgroups. Probably not even aware of a lot of the things that are going on, but I'm just sort of happy doing my own thing, really, I think. And like you mentioned, that posting that you said, okay, I'm sick of making friends. I'm just not going to do it this time. Yeah. <laughs> and then you ended up making friends because yeah. you, I guess taking that pressure away from yourself and it just happens sort of thing instead it's, of well, being like, I need to go and make yeah. a friend. I need to do this. I need to yeah, I think when you start, you know, inviting people over for dinner and stuff like that, I'm like, oh, you can only do that, you know, so many postings. But I find that with, with kids, it just happens naturally because you're always at the school, the, the preschool, the yeah. play group, and it just happens. I say, oh, um, I'm not going to bother, but then you always do because, you, yeah. you know, you do a sport or join a gym or a writing group or something. So I guess aside from your writing, like what do you do to look after your mental health? Aside from wine? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a really big active person, but I do make myself get out and go for walks around the block. I love doing yoga. I'm starting back squash soon. So I think getting out into nature, going on bushwalks with the family is really good. And I think we touched on before, just feeling okay and carving the time out for yourself. You're like, no, I'm going to watch TV now and you know, not feeling guilty that you're just going to put your feet up. Things like that. Just, just make time for yourself and finding time to do what you enjoy. So I guess what have you learned along the way of being a defence partner? partner and following your passions like what have you learned keeping a positive mindset I guess is the big one because it's hard sometimes when you you know you don't want to move and you don't want to say goodbye to friends and you think oh I can't face doing another unpack again but we all get through it don't we I mean it's just it's amazing what we achieve and I think the first several years of our marriage I didn't really recognize that what I was doing was really something when I look back now I think how did I have the energy to do all of that so I think recognizing what defence spouses do in a regular week is pretty amazing. So giving yourself a bit of a pat on the back, I think, just for keeping everything running at times is important to recognise. We often don't step back because it just is what we do. I think, and then time goes by and you're like, remember that time I had that operation? Oh, no, you weren't there. You were deployed. That's right. <laughs> I remember that time I was by myself and I had the operation. I had to organise yeah. for someone to look after the kids and, you know. When like, I had that baby and you went to work the next day. Yeah, really, oh, oh, my like gosh. That. You've got to, you know, recognise we're pretty able. We're, we're doing yeah. a good job, I think. And I think you don't really realise that yeah. uh, sometimes. Yeah, for sure. How can people find out about your books and buy your books and, I guess, see what you've got available that side of things like have you got a website like how can they follow your journey as an author my first two came out last year so they're just in any shop if they don't have it in you can order them in they're the book chook and bad crab but um i do have a website ameliamcinerney.com and so 
yeah, the books are online or in your favourite indie bookshop. The first one, it's about a panicky chicken called Ray who freaks out when he realises he's not actually a real chook. He's just a drawing of one in the book. And so he panics and he wants to get out of the book. So um, all my stories are quite lighthearted and fun. And ultimately that's about self-acceptance. But that didn't really, that just came out of nowhere, I think. And the second one is called Bad Crab and that's almost wordless. And that's about Pinchy Crab is not very good at keeping his claws to himself oh. or herself because it's wordless. Yeah, that's about empathy and friendship and forgiveness and a lot of kind of deep issues in this very sort of simple book that it's for younger kids. And yeah, they're all about something different. My daughter's nut allergy inspired a book that I have coming out, but it's not obviously about that. Mm. So yeah, I think they just come from anywhere. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and talking us through your experience as a spouse and an author and, and all that comes with defense life and juggling a career and a passion and all of that. I so hope you were able to relate or take something away from today's episode. There are definite ups and downs to military life, but let's get the conversation happening so we can see that we are all in this together. We are all just doing our best. So until next week, you got this. Let's do this together one day at a time. Thank you so much for tuning in. If this episode has touched you, helped you, or given you that extra confidence to keep going, to continue to hold down the home front, to continue to do all the things, I would so appreciate it if you could pop into Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the podcast and leave a review, a comment about what you would like to hear more of, or just some encouraging words. If you want to suggest a guest, I am always looking for new people to talk to. You can do that by jumping over to the website www.militarywifelife.com.au and clicking on our podcast page. I would love to hear from you. 